Let's see here. Rock, paper, scissors. No. Scissors, paper, rock. Paper, rock, scissors. Ah, screw it. Throat punch. I win. Okay, then, welcome to the second such episode of the show I'm calling Off the Beaten Path. I'm your host, the Will Man, also known as DJ Skittles, Sweet Willie Nine Toes. And I thank you for tuning in to the second now ever episode of this program, sure to inform and delight you, possibly even entertain you. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, got a dandy one set up for you this uh, this time around. I got a friend. His name is Aaron. He does something called through hiking, and we're going to get together and talk about it uh, shortly after the madness. And I feel like I kind of owe you some explanations about some things. You know, the first episode. Maybe you want an update. Maybe you want to know how certain things came out. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you all about it. I'll let you know. Uh, the update on the gardener and the update on the picture frame. And honestly, I don't really have anything to rant about this episode. And because it's going to take like two or three parts to get through this episode of Through Hiking, I'm just going to skip the rant section for this time and, uh, you know, give you a break there. Off the beaten path starts in just a moment. After all that's done, uh, I'm always exhausted after trying to bust out an in- intro. And, well, this time, I'm not going to edit it. I'm not going to try it all over again because I think I screwed it up or anything. I'm just going to let it go. going to roll with it, so to speak. So, again, welcome to the program. It's called Off the Beaten Path. I am your host, The Will Man, and I am happy to produce this program for you. What's the show all about? Well, like I said in the first episode, it's about uh, people who do things on the weekends. You know, they, they have a life outside of their work life, and, and some of those are adventurous things. And today, my guest is a friend of mine. His name is Aaron, and he likes to hike long distances, very long distances indeed. So uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. But first, an update. So what happened with the gardener? You know, honestly, uh, if you listened to the first episode, you know I had a problem with the gardener blowing leaves all over my car, and it ticked me off, and I got mad, and I yelled at the kid, and he made it right. He blew the leaves off my car, and I haven't seen him since. Not that I, well, nothing happened. No, he's not in the closet or anything like that, trying to get out. They just haven't had any leaves to blow because they've all fallen now, and they eventually picked them all up, sort of. Uh, with the picture frame... You remember, I talked about that, and the one I had originally ordered, a digital picture frame, just simply didn't work. Well, I sent that one back. Amazon is cool, because they let you do that kind of thing. I ordered a completely different one, and guess what? This one works just perfect. Huh. Weird how that works out. It's the holiday season. I hope you folks are out there doing your thing, you know, being considerate of others, doing your holiday shopping and, you know, getting things done, checking off those wish lists and all those other things. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a good one. I, I have faith in the world. Anybody that knows me knows this about me. And so, no time to chat this week. Uh, I do want to get, like, dive right into the subject matter. And we'll start it like this. 
Thank you, Rolo, for that little shake. That was totally appropriate. That's my dog. He's here every episode. He watches me record. I don't know why. Anyway, we're going to start it like this this time around. thousand six hundred and fifty give or take a few that's the approximate length in miles of the pacific crest trail from start to finish if a human being averages two thousand steps per mile then it would be five million three hundred thousand steps to hike the pacific crest trail from one end to the other give or take a few this means that in order for one to hike the entire length of the pacific crest trail over 120 days one would have to average 23 miles per day or 46,000 footsteps per day, give or take a few. Here's some more math for you. If the average human takes about 7,500 steps per day and lives to be 80 years old, they would have taken 216,262,500 steps based on the math I just provided you, give or take a few. This means that over your lifetime, the average human could walk the entire 2,650-mile distance of the Pacific Crest Trail about 40 times, give or take a few. I happen to have met a guy who's hiked from Mexico to Canada. No kidding. Mexico to Canada. Think about that for a second. A distance of 2,650 miles, give or take a few. You see, Aaron Nicholson is a friend of mine from work. And a few years ago, he was going around the lounge asking co-workers to cover some days for him so he could take off and do what he loves to do, which is hike. Plenty of co-workers stepped up to help out, and he was able to get off a month or so to be able to pursue his passion for the great outdoors and the great unknown. This wasn't the long hike, though, the 2,650 miles. This hike was much shorter than that, but he's also done that one. And we'll probably do it again. Why? Well, he can answer that for you. I would say it's a combination of the awesome physical beauty that you see out there. The mountains, the trees, the rivers. I can't even describe it. you got to see it. Um, But if you get out there, something about that beauty really, really, I would say, ups your appreciation for the world in general. I would also say, you know, the second part of that is the aloneness and the ability to contemplate and reflect on your life when you're spending that much time putting one foot in front of another in such an awesome environment. Now, as I spoke with Aaron that day in the driver's lounge, I quickly realized that his passion and knowledge about hiking was well above the average person's, and yet he doesn't consider himself to be an expert, but rather an enthusiast. Once in conversation with Aaron, he explained to me the difference between a day hike and something called through hiking. I've had lots of hiking experiences, backpacking, through hiking. It's something that I got into seriously, I guess you could say, starting in 2008. And that was um, this sort of crazy idea I had where I wanted to hike from California to Washington on the Pacific Crest Trail. And I wanted to do so with no resupply. So it was said that you couldn't do all 460 miles without stopping to pick up more food. And being kind of stubborn and not really knowing what I was doing with my life at that point, I said, I bet I could do it. And so I loaded up this ridiculously heavy 80-pound pack and uh, tried to make it. That was my 
first attempt, and I will say it uh, it was some hard lessons learned in that one. There's a reason that basically no one tries to do it that way, which is that you're going to overexert yourself, you're going to be carrying too much weight, and it's just going to really hurt. And I ended up injuring myself about halfway through on that trip, but being ever so stubborn and determined, and like I said, a little bit aimless in my life, and uh, in a state of uh, being flexible and able to take long periods of time off in the summer, I attempted that same thing again in 2010, and I actually was able to make it, using no resupply, 460 miles. So that that's a little bit of my hiking background, like where I started. I definitely didn't know what I was doing when I started doing that. Uh, I ended up writing this book about it and having that published. Uh, it's called The State of Determination, a little bit of a double meaning there. And um, after that, you know, I did so much learning the hard way that I thought, you know, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to go pack as light as I can. I'm going to do the, the ultralight school of thought, so to speak. So that's where you cut down all your gear weight. You weigh out everything in ounces or even grams. And you just go as light as you can. And um, the goal here is to reduce your base weight. So your base weight being your weight of your backpack and your gear minus food and minus water and minus fuel. Before you came up with this uh, crazy thought of, you know, doing the through hiking thing, had you had any hiking experience at all? I had. So I had hiked with friends a little bit. Um, we had done like some, you know, 20, 30 mile hikes, usually not more than six to 10 miles a day. And uh, they were more leisurely. It wasn't this sort of hike all day kind of mentality that I've lately adopted. Um, let's see, I had gone up to Eagle Cap Wilderness, hiked around there a little bit, um, hiked in the Three Sisters Wilderness, done I think some hiking on the beach, but nothing nothing majorly uh, long prior to that Oregon attempt. I actually don't know much about hiking other than you know your typical day hike where you grab a backpack, put some snacks in it, bring some water... Uh, pick a spot on a local map somewhere. Don't be gone all day and try to get back before, you know, the bears come out in the dark and the sun comes down. Do you have that kind of experience? Yeah, I think, you know, everybody starts, no matter what you're doing, everybody starts at zero. Everybody starts at some point in their life when they don't have any knowledge of it. And I was there at one point and I just really wanted to do something a little bit longer than the, you know, the, the weekend or day hike. I do like day hiking, but I will say that I kind of just wanted to take it up a notch. You ever have something where you get into it and you're like, this is really cool. I want to take it up a notch. And that, that was where I was at with wanting to do the long distance stuff. How much research did you do before you set out on the trail? I know you said the first time you did it, it was kind of a failure. Yeah, I wouldn't say a failure so much as a learning experience. That's kind of a euphemism for failure. Um, I will say I did, I did some research but mainly it was about calories per ounce. So I wanted to, on that particular trip, and again, this is early in my figuring things out the hard way hiking career. Uh, I actually went over to Winco and uh, I went to the bulk section and I just, you know, had a calculator and I did all the math for highest calorie content per ounce. And that was what I figured I would need. And so I, I worked up to my average was 160 calories per ounce. It was uh, extremely efficient. But it was really gross because I was literally drinking olive oil. I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. So um, my research, 
I tell you, I'm a little bit stubborn and I don't always research things the way I should before I embark on something. So I kind of, I went into that, that Oregon, that first long Oregon hike, pretty unprepared, didn't really know what I was doing. And I think that was, that was where the learning came in, the learning the hard way. You said your, the title of your book has a a double meaning. Can you explain that a little better? Yeah. So I wrote the book and, uh, I called it the state of determination, which Part of it, the double meaning was I was hiking across the state, so the state of Oregon, but I also wanted to refer to a state of mind. So you get to this place in your mind when you're really tired and you're sore and you're hurting, and in my case, my knee was really hurting, and you just kind of remove yourself from that experience being yours, and you sort of rise above it, and you enter this mindset, this state of mind, where determination is the only thing you're thinking about, and you kind of suspend your agony and just keep going. And so that was that was the second meaning, you know, it's the state of Oregon, but also a state of mind. Let's identify through hiking. What what is the difference between through hiking and say your average day hike? I'll point out it's always T H R U hiking if you search for it. True hiking is the idea that you select a trail, usually a long recreational trail, and it's an end to end experience. So basically, you want to start at one end and go to the other end and. If it's longer, you're probably going to take some days off, but you're not really going to leave that experience until you finish it. As opposed to day hiking, where you think, oh, I'm going to you know, hike up Mount Pisgah, take a day pack, bottle of water, call it good. Um, there are two different things, really. Um, it's kind of like if you swim a lap in a swimming pool, okay, that's fun. You're having fun. You're swimming. If you swim the English Channel, that's like through hiking. So it, it kind of some training sounds like it needs to be involved here, some definite um, endurance training it's a good idea I will say it is somewhat difficult to do that if you're busy and and uh, have a job or a, a, a otherwise a, you know a life that is taking up time so I the short answer is yes you should do training prior to that I generally didn't I generally had the first you know 100 150 miles and I just kind of took it easy on the long hikes and whipped myself into shape during that first part and that was the training it's not really a good idea to do it that way because it increases the chances that you're going to get an overexertion injury but like i said i am not always the best planner and so i <laughs> sometimes would just uh just kind of go for it all right and you wrote here on your outline um quest types hiking versus backpacking uh, talk about that a little bit sure yeah so uh, the terminology here is uh i don't want to get too hung up on it but if you want to if you want to split hairs here hiking can be referred to you know any any walk outside uh, a subset of that would be backpacking which is where you're carrying your sleeping gear and spending the night out there so it's a multi-day trip so that's you know hiking is more generally just outside walking backpacking is you are walking carrying your camping gear camping getting up walking again through hiking is just like long distance backpacking from one end to the other end of a trail now the pacific crest trail is 2,650 miles long. Have you hiked the entire distance? Yes, I have. So that first hike I was telling you about was on the PCT, but it was just the Oregon section. That was the one where I was doing the no resupply, somewhat foolish attempt to do that. (laughs) What did you learn from that experience? um, Know your boundaries. That's what I learned. Know your limits. Don't hurt yourself. But to answer your question, yeah, I have done the entire Pacific Crest Trail. So once I finished my Oregon section and uh, did a lot of learning the hard way as I said that was in 2010 I thought man I just want to do this whole thing um, so I decided that I was going to do it and 
2013 was the year I picked, and I did. I started out at the Mexican border. I caught a ride with some other hikers down there to um, what was a kickoff event that was going on at the time, and hiked north, and uh, I did ultimately hike from Mexico all the way up to the Canadian border. Now, I've driven some pretty long distances, probably the longest distance is from Sacramento, California to Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is a little over 1,500 miles. This is a 1,000 miles longer on foot, and I honestly, I can't imagine being in the outside element that long, uh, surviving on what food you need to be surviving, and then being physically able to to do this. I mean, what kind of challenges did you find along the way? Well, you know, they say a lot of through hiking is a physical challenge, but it's as much, if not more, a mental challenge, I would say. So yeah, it's, it, you know, there's blisters, there's overexertion injuries, uh, you can, you know, sprain your ankle, there's always accidents, things like that. Uh, there's also dehydration, you know, you're in the desert section for about 700 miles on that trail. And there's very little water and it's hot, so that's certainly a challenge. Um, you know, physically, you're carrying all your gear with you. And uh, as I said, I, I now am an, an, uh, an adherent to the ultralight mantra that is pack as little as you need and make it as light as possible. But still physically, you're going between 20 and 30, 35, sometimes as much as 40 miles in a day. And that is extremely exhausting. And you're pushing your body to the limit every day. And it's just something that Something that mentally, even if you can make yourself take another step, you have to ask yourself the question every day, is this worth it? Do I want to do this? And you have to be most of the time answering yes to that question to keep going. There's other trails too, uh, aside from the very long Pacific Crest Trail, including uh, the John Muir Trail in California, the Colorado Trail, uh, Sierra High Route, just to name a few. Um, have you also hiked some of these other trails? I have. So those trails that you mentioned are all trails that I've hiked. The John Muir Trail is uh, about 200-ish miles in the High Sierra. Um, and that is, the Pacific Crest Trail actually follows the John Muir Trail for part of its route through the High Sierra. Most of it, I will say. But in 2014, after I finished my PCT hike, I thought, man, I love the High Sierra. I'm going to go back and do just the JMT, the John Muir Trail. Uh, and I did that. It starts in Yosemite Valley, and it hikes... You usually go southbound on the John Muir Trail, and you end actually on the summit of Mount Whitney, which is the tallest American mountain outside of Alaska. So that was a really fun one. I had a friend join me for the last uh, 50 miles of that. Uh, let's see, you asked about some other trails too. The Colorado Trail is another great one. It's uh, just shy of 500 miles. It goes from Denver to Durango through the Rocky Mountains. I did that in um, 2015. took... Uh, I think it was about three and a half weeks, I think it was. Um, that's another great one. Uh, that's a little bit different experience. That one's actually open to mountain bikes, which the PCT and JMT are not. So you see mountain bikes, and in, in some areas you actually see dirt bikes as well. So the Sierra High Route, actually, I completed in 2018. And that one is not like an officially marked trail. That is a an off-route, largely off-route um, path. It's totally unmarked, and it's just a, a set of sort of like landmark navigations through the High Sierra. It was um, it was invented by this guy back in the 70s called Steve Roper, and he thought, man, we could just have this this off trail sort of route that people take. 
And uh, that was very challenging. There's a lot of land navigation involved. There's there's not regular signage or even a, a footpath. You just have to figure it out. So you follow the guidebook, and you have to have be on top of your game with uh, map and compass navigation. And that was extremely difficult in some instances. But I went with two friends, and uh, we worked through it. It was great. The navigation was the most challenging part of that because uh, about half the distance of that route is off-trail, but w- definitely the vast majority of the time is off-trail because off-trail navigation is so much slower than just walking on a trail. And we went over, I think on that trip, it was there were 33 mountain passes. We added a couple because we had some bonus miles at the end there to get back to the car. But um, yeah, the, the navigation, that's not for the faint of heart. We were very regularly over 12,000 feet. We were usually above treeline. I mean, it was up there. Beautiful, though. Yeah, it was. It was beautiful, and you had you really. I would say you had to earn it because the crossing snow fields and ice fields and bouldering up sometimes loose rocks and going over these passes and everything. It, the whole thing was beautiful, but the fact that we were out there exerting ourselves so much made it just that much more beautiful. You know, a lot of folks uh, spend their entire lives in valleys and cities, and there's a light halo that pretty much covers those urban zones. But when you get that far off the trail and that high up in altitude and on a clear sky night, uh, talk a little bit about the kind of things you see in the sky. You don't get the light pollution, for one thing, which is great. Uh, When you're that high up in elevation, everything is just kind of hard to describe but everything's just really quiet and you're just out there and it's still just imagine like the stillest there's nothing busy there's nothing it's just like almost like time is frozen and you're up there and it's generally really cold even in the summer because of your elevation but just the experience is i'll say unforgettable but every day is like a new unforgettable experience because you're seeing new lakes, new mountains, giant glaciers. I mean, some of the some of the stuff I could show you is just it's uh, it's changed me a lot. Let's put it that way. And it does sound like some of the beauty of of this kind of through hiking concept. You know, you this is something you could do over a weekend, over a week, over a month, take the whole summer. Seems like you can get that experience by planning a weekend hike, really, and a short map destination. Sure. I think it's important not to get too hung up on the length of these things. You can have your own wilderness experience even if you just have one day. It's uh, Everybody has their own way of going about it. I think the, the important thing is, one of the important things, is to get out there and have kind of a mental reset. Because when you get away from the light pollution and the busyness and the traffic and everything that we have in regular life it i would say it temporarily resets your priorities and the longer you do that the more you do that whether it's weekends or whether it's taken four months to do an entire through hike the more of that experience you have the more it reminds you that probably 90 percent of the things that we worry about in everyday life don't really need to be worried about when you spend all your time concerned about what am i going to eat where am i going to sleep where am i going to get water just the basics of life you have such a, a great reset that when you get back to quote unquote the real world, you have a different perspective. To do something like this, obviously, it does take some degree and some level of organized planning or at least thinking it through. It's not something you want to jump, 
into feet first, head first, or blindly to be to have success at this or to be able to do this in, in a way where it's not completely a negative experience, you have to plan a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, how did you plan your trip? Planning is different for everybody. And uh, there's a there's a saying out there, hike your own hike. You have to come up with your own planning. You have to come up with, you can do research, but ultimately it's your own, it's your own, it's your own thing. So I actually had someone who I carpooled down to the start of the PCT. She had done it before and I was kind of concerned about my planning. This is, you know, the longest trip I had ever planned at that point. And she said, don't plan, just go. And to me, that was just amazing. Like, how did this person make it if she didn't plan? Wing it. She did. She <laughs> she she did wing it. Uh, she brought a sleeping bag and you know just the basic stuff, but her you know her food resupply and all that. She was literally unplanned and she still made it. So the degree of planning that you do even is up to you. You can still it is still possible to make it with little planning. But what I did was I got a map and the data book of the whole trail, and I thought you know how many ounces of food am I going to need per mile, and I came up with a rough estimate which is difficult to do when you're sitting in your living room well fed and you're not really uh, out there exerting yourself when you get out there your hunger increases more and more and more until you're just ravenous and so quantities yeah i ballparked them but i was wrong a lot of the time thankfully i i took a i packed a little more food than i needed but the logistics were based on my resupply so there are two different types of resupplies that you do on a long trip you going to be able to stop in some towns or campgrounds and buy food sometimes and other times you're going to do mail drops where there might be some rural post office that you can get your food that you mail yourself now these things are rarely on the trail usually the logistics are you hike and let's say you've hiked 40 miles since you know your last resupply and you get to a road and your guidebook says okay you can hitchhike off this road down to uh, Bridgeport, California. And in Bridgeport, California, you go to the post office and you get your box that you mailed yourself, that your your support person, which in this case was my mom, thanks mom, she mailed it to me and I'd pick over there and I'd pick it up and I'd go back to the road and I'd hitchhike back up to the trail crossing and I'd start exactly where I left off on the trail. So that would be one example. Um, you can also, if you're in a town, you can just buy food at a store. I think I did that 30 times on the course of the PCT. How long did it take you, by the way? Uh, it took me just under four months to do the whole trail, the whole PCT. That was faster than usual. I started in late April, which is when most people start. And there's a register at the end. And I noticed my name was the 17th one signed out of, I think, over 1,000 people were attempting it that year. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm just saying that that is, fa- that is faster than usual. So if you were planning to do it, you should plan on probably five to six months. That's usually what people take. What would you say was like some of the most useful tools or methods of of planning and and getting this, uh, you know, putting this kind of plan together? What do you find most useful? Well, I think the my my best piece of gear is when planning is Google. I mean, so many people. There are lots and lots of people who've done through hiking. And you can learn so much from other people's blogs and other people's experiences and other people's uh, successes and failures. So I would say just doing the reading, you know, other people's experiences, basing it on that, and just kind of averaging all of the different info you get and just going for it. Um, this probably was my approach 
I asked some uh, some through hikers, you know, what they did. Um, I will say also, I used um, I used a guidebook called uh, Yogi's PCT Guide. She has one for the Colorado Trail as well, um, and that guidebook was pretty indispensable when it comes to knowing what resupply, uh, what services are at hiker towns along the way. Um, I used it for her Colorado Trail book as well. So that would be a, a great resource, a, a great, um, you know, just generally it's important to average all the information you get. So there's going to be a million different opinions out there and you got to just read them all and take the average. I think that would be a good way to go. Makes sense. Totally. Um, you talked about a support person and then you said, thanks mom. So presumably your mom played a pretty good role in, in helping support your your four-month journey. Yeah, so um, she's been my support person for uh, the PCT and some other hiking I've done too. And basically, I got all the all the mail drops that I wanted. I went over to Winco and I bought all this food, a huge amount of food, and I packed them all into USPS flat rate boxes. <laughs> and I marked them, you know, which section of the trail it was intended for, and, what, and I put the I pre-addressed them, but I left them open so that she could put some other stuff in there if I got a smidge of cell service and said, Hey, I need, you know, zip ties or whatever. She could put that in there. So she mailed them on a certain schedule and, um, she, uh, was pretty indispensable. I will say, uh, all those mail drops, she mailed all of them and I got the food because she went to the post office dutifully and, uh, you know, mailed me food and gear. Also, you know, when you're in the Sierra, you need an ice axe and a bear canister. And then when you're done with the Sierra, you mail those back. So gear as well. Um, so nowadays, and I have not done this, but the, the big thing now is people will have an Amazon prime account and they'll just have a whole bunch of food items pre-saved on their account. And then when they get a smidge of service, they'll, you know, order the next thing and they'll input the address to the next town or whatever. And then, so a lot of people, uh, do that Amazon hiking. I have not done that, but that's a, a way that people can do it. You wrote down here, zero and Nero days. What's that all about? So it's important to take breaks when you need to. A zero day is literally where you hike zero miles. So you can get into a town. Um, so, for example, Kennedy Meadows is a small town at the entrance of the High Sierra. It's at the south end on the PCT. And you just chill out and just take a break because your body's tired and you want to just take a day off. A Nero day is nearly a zero day. So let's say... You got almost to a trail town, like three miles shy of it. You camped there. The next morning you get up, you hike the three miles, and then you spend the rest of the day in town, and maybe you camp there that night. Um, so that would be a Nero day. It's very important to do that. Um, I probably didn't take enough zeros when I hiked the PCT or any of my hiking because I tend to be kind of a driven person, but I get myself in trouble because I just kind of wear myself out. Now, I knew shortly after beginning this recording sesh with Aaron, it was likely going to take more than one episode to get through. And as usual, I am right. So far, though, we've learned the difference between a day hike and a through hike, the importance of planning, and what zero and nero days are. But I didn't want to cram all 2,650 miles into just one episode and leave you feeling like you missed out on a lot. So, I'm going to split this one into two episodes, maybe even three, so you can digest this cache of info a little more slowly. In part two, Aaron will talk about the kind of stuff you need to bring on your hiking trip and share some of his real experiences, the good and not-so-good parts, in accomplishing all 2,650 
50 miles of the PCT. I feel like you'd be proud of me for using the acronym there. Part 2 is coming soon, I promise. I'm the Will Man, and that's it for this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. This episode of Off the Beaten Path was recorded at Nine Toes Studios and made possible in part by Anchor.fm, the easiest way to make a podcast. Off the Beaten Path is written, produced, scored, edited, mixed, and all that other stuff that happens in a production such as this by me, the Will Man. If you enjoyed today's show, let me know. If you didn't, maybe tell me what you think could make it better. To do so, simply download the Anchor app then find me at anchor.fm slash thewillman, that's T-H-A hyphen W-I-L-M-A-N, or email me at resradioguide at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave me a message so you too can be part of the show. Until next time, go out there and pursue your passion, live your life, and then come back and talk to me about it right here. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on Off the Beaten Path. Willman, out. Out.